0: Welcome. At the end of this week's Parsha, Parsha's Mishalach, Chlal Yisrael, very soon after exiting Egypt, fights its first war. (laughs) Let us first just read through these p'sukim on a very simple level before we focus on one particular, one or two particular Rashi comments. Pasek, Perek Yud Zion, Pasek Ches, B'Yovah Amalek, and Amalek, a descendant of Esav came, va'ilachem im Yisrael b'Refidim, and he made war with Yisrael in Rafidim, in a place called Rafidim. pardon me. V'yom and Moshe said, El Yehoshua, bechar Lanu anashim, choose for us men, but say hilachem be'ba'amalek, and go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow, I will be standing on the top of the hill, and the staff of God, Moshe Rabbeinu's special rod or staff, it will be in my hand. Let's continue. And Yeshua did it according to what Moshe Rabbeinu said to him, in order to fight with Amalek. Moshe and Aaron and another person in Chor, they went up the mountain or the hill. And it was when Moshe Rabbeinu would lift up his hand the Gavar Yisrael. Then Yisrael would be Gavar, then they would be strengthened and they would begin to win the battle. and when he would put his hand down, Gavar amalek, so then amalek would begin to strengthen and win the battle. Rashi here quotes a Mishnah in Meseches Rosh Hashanah, that it's not that the hands of Moshe Revena were somehow magical hands, when they were up, Kala Yisrael was up, when they were down, Kala Yisrael went down, but rather... Rashi here just quotes it very much and uh, he just hints at it without telling us the whole thing. But what the Mishnah says is that when Moshe Rabbeinu lifted up his hands towards heaven in prayer, so the B'nai Yisrael saw that and they were encouraged and they fought better. They had more success in their fighting because they were mishabdim eslibam laShamayim. They literally were enslaving their hearts to heaven, to Hashem. When Moshe Rabbeinu, for whatever reason, that perhaps got tired and put his hands down so then the B'nai Yisrael were not mishabdim boma washamayam they were not subjugating their hearts so much to al Baruch and therefore they began to 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 fight and to be defeated okay having a little trouble with the size of the fonts today they keep on they keep on uh, shrinking every time i touch the screen Okay, vayas y'ashua pasach yud alav, pardon me, pasach yud beis, bidei m'eshe k'vedim, and Moshe's hands were heavy, vayikchu evan, so they took a stone, vayasimu sakhtov, and they placed the stone under him, vayeshev alecha, and he sat on the stone, v'aren v'chor tomchu v'yadav, and arein and this other person, chor, they supported m'eshe rabbeinu's hands, mizeh echad, u'mizeh echad. From this side, one person, and from this side, and from the other side, the other person. And his hands were, Rashi explains, his hands were spread out to heaven in Emunah, in trust, in a Kodesh Hu, Rashi says, with a steadfast and proper Tfila, until the sun. Went down. So, in other words, that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to keep his hands up, and because he was able to keep his hands up, so B'nai Yisrael were able to able to be successful in this battle. Yud Gimel. Yeshua Esamolek V'esamo lefi and Yeshua weakened Amalek and his people lefi by the by the sword. So Yeshua, although he didn't totally annihilate the nation of Amalek, but he weakened them very greatly, etc. That is the, the account of the battle. Now let's go back to a Rashi on Pasek Tess. Moshe Rabbeinu said to Yeshua, b'char lano anushin. choose for us men and go out and fight Amalek. Rashi says b'char lano li u'lucho. When Moshe Rabbeinu says b'char lano, choose for us, he meant for me and for you. He's talking to Yeshua. So for me, Moshe, and for you, Yeshua. And Arashi comments, Hishvohu lo, Moshe Rabbeinu was making Yeshua equal to himself. He was talking to Yeshua, and he's saying, do something for us. So that means we're, we're essentially equal. That's quite remarkable. Moshe Rabbeinu was certainly much greater than Yeshua. Our chachamim tell us, Rashi quotes it in one place in Hamish, that pnei Moshe pnei Yeshua kelevona. The face of Moshe shined like the sun. The, the face of Yeshua shined only like the light of the moon, a significantly lesser light. But here, Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to Yeshua as if he is his equal. So Mikanamru, amru, from here, the chachamim said. From here the Chachamim said, Yehi talmidcha The honor of your Talmud, of your student, should be dear to you like your own. In other words, you should honor your student as if he is on your own level. And Kvoyd Rashi continues, rabach minayim. From where do we know that the honor of your chavere, of your friend, of your uh, colleague, should be like Moira Rabbach, it should be as great as the awe that you have from your teacher. That's a different Pasuk. Aaron said to Moshe, please my master. Now Aaron was, in, Rashi says, we, we discussed this Rashi not long ago, Rashi says that Aaron and Moshe were shkulenhev, they were equal, and yet, Aaron, when he addresses Moshe Rabbeinu, he called him Adoni, in a certain context. So you see that the honor of your colleague, of your equal, should be like the Moira Raboch. It should be like the awe and the uh, extreme respect that one has for one's Rebbe. And Rashi here it says, "Wasn't Aaron the older of the oldest, the eldest of the brothers in that family?" He made his Khaver, he made his friend, Moshe his his buddy, so to speak, he made him like his Rebbe, he addressed him as Adoni. So from here we see the respect that you give to a colleague should be like the respect that you give to your teacher, to your master. Now Rashi continues, And the awe that one has for a Rebbe, for one's teacher, it should be like the awe that one has towards heaven, meaning towards Hashem. as it says, Adoni Moshe kiloim. Yeshua said to Moshe Rabbeinu, My master Moshe kiloim. Now the context there, without getting too heavily into that into that story, is that there, there the uh, was was instructed by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. To choose seventy people, seventy men, who would uh, be given nevuah by a kodesh who they would they would be given a prophecy, they would be given the power of prophecy by a kodesh And amongst the people chosen were two gentlemen named Eldad and Medad. Now the people who were chosen were supposed to appear by the yovel They were supposed to come to the mishkan where this uh, spirit of prophecy would rest upon them on and Medad stayed back in the camp. They didn't go. And yet, when the, when the signal was given, when HaKadosh gave Nevoah to these people, Eldad and Medad also were misnabim b'machaneh. They were prophesizing in the camp. They also became neviim and began, began to say certain, uh, certain prophecies. And Yeshua was very disturbed by this. Exactly why that's... We'll perhaps we'll discuss it a little bit later, but Yeshua didn't like this. So he went to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he said, Adoni Moshe, My master Moshe, Rashi says, Kaleim min remove them from the world. Chayovim hem kloya ha-mordim ki ilu These people who are mordim who are rebelling against you, they didn't follow your instructions, so they are obligated in Kloya, they are subject to a punishment of being removed from the world. As if they had sinned against HaKadosh So you see here that that Yeshua was talking to his Rebbe Moshe, and he, uh, he, he he equated Moshe Rabbeinu, he equated the respect that he owed to Moshe Rabbeinu uh, to the respect that he owes to HaKadosh Baruch He he, uh, equated their abilities, so to speak. Okay. Now I've mentioned many times that Rashi in his commentary on Chumash is not, was not writing a guide to Jewish law. He was not writing the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch and the Rambam, Mishneh Torah, these are very great works, very important works, but Rashi's purpose in writing his commentary on the Torah was not the same as the purpose of those authors when they wrote their works. Rashi's purpose was to explain to explain the simple meaning, however one defines that word simple, it's not as simple as we might think, but to explain the direct and simple meaning of the psukim. And therefore, there are many, many times when you have halakhas that can be derived from a certain pasuk, which, in fact, the Gemara or the Midrash does derive from a certain verse in the Torah. Rashi will not mention it. Now why not? Because he felt that the derivation, the derivation of that halacha, is not the simple meaning of the pasuk. It's true that it comes from that pasuk, but if we read the pasuk simply in its context, in its order, with the proper uh, the proper syntax and grammar, that's not what the pasuk is saying. That, that derivation of the halakha is on some other, perhaps more profound level of understanding. But on what Rashi calls the pshat level, that halacha is not the subject of the Pasik. And therefore, as a general principle, we, we, we must say, we must conclude that Rashi will only mention a halacha in his commentary on the Torah if it is a direct derivation from that pasik that he is looking at. Now, it's interesting, in this Rashi, the first halacha that Rashi mentions, that t'almidcha kishalach, that the covet of your Talmud should be dear to you, should be important to you, like your own, that can be seen as a direct lesson, a direct conclusion to be drawn from this pasuk, Because Moshe Rabbeinu was addressing his Talmud, Yoshua and he said, Lanu. Do something for us, for me and for you. So here you see that when Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to his Talmud, he equated the Talmud with himself. That is a direct derivation from this Pasuk. But then Rashi continues and tells us two more halachas, rabach, that the respect of your friend should be like the respect you give to your Rebbe. That's one. And then, Moira rabach uh, kamayra Shemayim. The awe that you have from your rebbe should be like the awe that you have towards Hashem. That's number two. Neither of these two halachas are derived from this pasuk here in Sefer Shemais. Rashi himself admits it. He, uh, the halacha of k'vayd chavercha Kamayra rabach, uh, the halacha that you should treat your colleague the way you treat your rebbe, so that comes from a pasuk in Bamidbar, uh, chapter Yud and the halacha that you should uh, speak to your to your Rebbe as if you were speaking to Shemayim. So that comes from a different pusak in B'midbar, chapter yud Neither of them come from this pusak So the question is, why would Rashi mention them? If uh, if the derivation of those Salachas is in consonance with the simple meaning of those P'sukim, then Rashi could have told us those Salachas when he got to those P'sukim. But why would Rashi mention all of these Salafahs now on this Bosak when this Basak is not the source for all of them, it's only the source for one of them. Perhaps there are those who would like to say that, well, since Rashi here had an opportunity to teach us some very important lessons, that not only should you speak to your Talmud as if he is your equal, but also you should speak to your chavir as if he is your Rebbe. You should speak to your Rebbe as if he is on the level of a Kodesh These are very important lessons. So uh, here Rashi had an opportunity to say them, so he took the opportunity. There are some who would venture to say this in Rashi. I'm, I'm not going to argue with, with them, but I'm going to say that I, in my humble opinion, I don't think that's really correct. There are so many places in the Torah where Rashi had an opportunity, if he had wanted, to teach us nice lessons, important lessons, and important halachas, and he forgoes them. It just doesn't seem that Rashi's uh, purpose in writing his commentary on the Chumash was to use it as an opportunity for teaching us important lessons. There are too many important lessons that he does not teach us, and therefore I, I don't agree with that approach. Perhaps we can say something else, perhaps really all three halachas that Rashi mentions over here, maybe they really all do come from this pasaka. All of them are saying that you should show respect to the person you are speaking to as if that person is one level higher than he really is. The Talmud, you're really, you're the Rebbe or greater. But when you speak to the Talmud, you should speak to him as if he's up to your level. And the chaver, the friend, he's really on your same level, but you should speak to him as if he's your Rebbe. And the Rebbe is greater than you. You should speak to him as if he is Shemayim, as if he is heaven. Now, it could be that really all of these lessons are derived from this Pasuk here. But, but obviously the question that must be raised is that halacha number two of treating a cover like a Rebbe, and halacha number three of teaching the Rebbe like Shemayim, Rashi himself says have different sources. But I think if we look at those other psukim that Rashi quotes, they're really not conclusive. They're really not convincing proof to what Rashi says. Let's take a look at the first one. first one, or really the second one. What is the context? What was going on in those psokim? Aaron, together with Miriam, uh, spoke a certain Lashon Hora about Maisha Rabbeinu, whatever it was, and and to whatever extent we can uh, mitigate their crime, but they were guilty of speaking some sort of a Lashon Hora about Maisha Rabbeinu. And what was their immediate punishment? What happened? They were stricken with Saras. And Aaron turned to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he said, please my master, please heal us. Don't, don't let us be stricken with this terrible affliction. Now, Rashi here says, Rashi here asked the question, wasn't Aaron the, the, the older of the two brothers? And yet he's speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu as if Moshe Rabbeinu was greater than, than him. Well, the truth is, that's not so simple to say that Aaron was greater than Moshe. Yes, Aaron was older than Moshe. But in fact, uh, one can make a very good case. I think the simplicity is that Moshe was greater. Moshe is called the Adon or the a- a- Avi hanaviyam. Moshe was the greatest prophet ever. He was greater than all prophets before him. He's greater than all prophets that ever came after him. We uh, learned not so long ago, uh, a Pasik in Shemais, Eric Vov, Pasach we learned a Pasik that said, who are Reino Moshe? This is Aaron and Moshe who took Bnei Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. And there Rashi said, that sometimes Moshe Rabbeinu is placed first. You have many psukum that say Moshe and Aaron. And sometimes like that Pasek, you have Aaron is placed first. So Rashi says the lamaid It teaches us that they are equal. However, we said then from the Maskaladavid, the Maskaladavid explains that in many respects, Moshe Rabbeinu was really greater. Certainly in Nevius, in terms of prophecy, Moshe Rabbeinu was a much greater prophet. So it is really not so convincing. It's not so noteworthy that when Aaron spoke to Moshe, he put Moshe up a notch from himself because in many respects, certainly in the respect in the aspect of nevius of prophecy, Moshe was greater. Besides that, the context over there is that Aaron was stricken with a terrible disease with Saras, and he's begging Moshe Rabbeinu to please heal him, well, how would he speak to him? Would he concentrate on the fact that they're brothers and that in some respects they're equal and that really I are and I'm older than Moshe Rabbeinu? No, when you're begging somebody for help, it's only natural that you should, you should emphasize the, the aspects of that person's personality that are greater than yourself. You, you should speak to him with the utmost respect so in that particular context, Aaron spoke to Meishu Rabbeinu and said, Be Adonai, please, my master. But is this a proof that in all situations that one should speak to one's chavir and one should speak to one's chavir in a way as if the chavir is, is, is greater than oneself? Should it really be, kameru rabach? Is this really a proof? I would say it's a very inconclusive proof. Now let's go to, this, to the third halacha that Rashi discusses here. We explained before that there, there were these two people. There were these two people, Eldad Umeidud, and they were misnabim b'machaneh. They were prophesizing in the camp, which was not appropriate. They, 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 they apparently, or at least Yeshua did not think that they should be doing this. And Yeshua said to Meishu Rabbeinu, Adoni Moshe aim. And Rashi here explains what does it mean Kilo'eim. Kaleim mina Remove these two people from the world. They are high Kloya. They are obligated in this punishment of being removed because they are rebelling against you. Now, what is Rashi's proof here that you should treat your your Rebbe as if he is ha'kodesh as if with the same awe, uh, with, 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 with which one would address ha'kodesh boruchu. It's not from the word Adoni Moshe, my master Moshe, that, that's perfectly to expected and normal that, that Yeshua should, when he's speaking to his Rebbe Moshe, he should call him Adoni. Rashi is saying the proof is because he said to him, aim. Remove them from the world. How could, how could Yeshua l- 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 talk to Meshur Rabbeinu and say, Look, these two fellas, they're doing something terribly wrong, remove them from the world? How do you remove someone from the world? So, uh, she says, You see that Yeshua, he, he looked to Meshur Rabbeinu, we spoke to Meshur Rabbeinu, as if Meshur Rabbeinu is the Rebbeinu Shalayim, and he can have people removed from the world. But it's very interesting that if we go to Parshish uh, Baaloischot where these psukum are written, Rashi explains the word kila'im differently. One pshat Rashi says is as follows, HaTel Alehem sorchet Tzibor, Maishu Rabbeinu, place upon these two people, Eldon Umoishav, Eldar Eldar Umedar, place upon them sorchet Tzibor, place upon them the needs of the congregation, make them leaders of the congregation. Beheim Kavim Ve'aleihem, and they will be destroyed automatically if you'll make them into some sort of administrator of the of the of the of the people they'll be so uh, so overburdened by the responsibilities that it will ultimately lead to their demise that's one explanation rashi gives seems to be a kind of a, a sort of like the the expression we have in english be careful what you ask for because you might get it in other words, these two fellows, Elder Medan, by prophesying, it's as if they are saying, they are demonstrating their desire to be great men, to be leaders of the congregation, spiritual leaders. So Yeshua says to Meishu Rabbeinu, you want to punish them, let them be what they are showing what they want, let them be what they are indicating that they would like to be, it will destroy them eventually. The other explanation Rashi says there in Parshas Bala Isra is, to name El Beisach Kela, means put them in the Beisach Kela, put them in the jail, put them in jail, put them in, in uh, lock them up in some way. Lafisha hoyo Emrim, okay, etc. But kila'im means put them in jail. Not remove them from the world as if you are a Kodesh oracle and you can decide who lives and who doesn't. Uh, whatever they did wrong, the Rashi talks about it over there. Exactly what the crime is, but whatever it is, lock them up. Now, if that's how Rashi explains Adonim Moshe aim according to neither of those explanations, do we see that Yeshua was equating Moshe Rabbeinu with Hakadosh Baruch in any way, in any in any form? If he's telling Moshe Rabbeinu just let them be leaders and let them find out how much fun that is. That's not saying that, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu was has divine powers, that he can remove people from the world. And if uh, Yoshua is saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, put them in jail, that's also okay. Uh, sometimes uh, leaders put people in jail. It doesn't make them, uh, give them divine powers. So Rashi's proof from this pasuk, Adonim Moshe that Yeshua spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu as if Moshe Rabbeinu was Kavayachal uh, on the level of a Baruch Hu is a very inconclusive proof. And therefore, perhaps we can say that really all three of these Salachas really have their root in our pasuk here in the Chumash. Here, it is rather hard to get around this proof. Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to Yeshua Clearly, this is a Rebbe talking to a Talmud. Clearly, this is a, a, a person on, I mean, on the most unbelievably high levels, talking to a person who is very great, but nowhere near as great as him. And what is he, how does he address him? Choose for us, do something for me and you. So he is talking to him as if he is an equal. So perhaps from here, we see a general principle that whoever whomever you are talking to, you should talk to them in a way that lifts them up one level from who they really are. If you're talking to a Talmud, you lift them up as if he is the same as you. And if you're talking to a friend, to a colleague, you address that person and lift them up to the level of your Rebbe. And if you're talking to your Rebbe, you lift the person up as if you're talking to HaKadosh Baruch So really, all three of these halachas perhaps could be derived from our posak. The Gur Aryeh says or implies, he doesn't say it quite 100% the way I am saying it, but he certainly implies that all these three halachas really have a shared Tom. they have a shared reason. The Gur Aryeh explains that when you're speaking to a, to a Talmud, you have to give the Talmud respect because he says, Ein Rav, a well, Talmud. You can't be a Rebbe without a Talmud. Uh, in other words, the Talmud is contributing to the Rebbe's greatness because the Talmud is what makes him a Rebbe. So the, the Rebbe has to address the Talmud with a great degree of respect. And when you're speaking to a chaver, to a friend, to a colleague, so we have a Pasik in Kohelis which says, Two people are better than one. Two heads are better than one. And, and the moral says, Because I have a Chaber, so that adds on to my own wisdom. You learn from your friends, you learn from your colleagues. And when you're talking to your rebbe, so, so the Goraia says, Rabbi, a person's teacher, A person's Rabbi gives to that person wisdom and fear of Hashem. So therefore, it's it's like Kvod Shemayim when I talk to my Rebbe, he's the source of my of my Kvod Shemayim. He's the source of my respect for Shemayim. He he taught me what Shemayim is. He taught me how to relate to a kodesh Hu. So therefore, I have to relate to him like a kodesh But it's all this. It's all according to the Gorayy. It seems to all be the idea that I gain from these people. I gain from my Talmud spiritual gain, and I gain spiritually from my chaver, and of course I gain spiritually from my Rebbe. So each one, when I speak to them, I have to uh, speak with a level of respect even a little higher than where they really are. So it could be, perhaps we can say that all three of these halachas really are derived from our pasik here, and therefore Rashi here is not adding any halachas that are derived from other places. He wouldn't do that. He would wait for those places. But really Rashi is telling us all of the halachas that can be derived from this Pasuk itself. That's one way that I think we could approach this Rashi. I think there's another way that's almost the opposite. I think we can say that the real key to this whole Rashi, two most important words in the whole Rashi are the two first words. It says, b'char lanu, choose for us. And Rashi says, li u for me and for you. Now that, those look like fairly innocent words. They look almost superfluous. What else does Lano mean? "Lono" means me and you, us. But really Rashi is making a very important point with these two words, li u l'cha. The truth is there are other possibilities that we could explain that word Lonu, which might be preferable in some ways. First of all, one might say that the word Lanu is referring to Klaal Yisrael. Yeme Moshel Yeshua, the char Lanu, anashim, shoes for us people. Who's us? All of us. I mean, we're being attacked by a powerful nation, and we are not a nation that is, uh, <inaudible> we are not accustomed to war at this point in our history. Uh, you better choose the best men for us, who's us? Us is all of us, the Klai Yisra. Another possibility, and this one is mentioned by Ibn Ezra over here, right? the, Ibn Ezra says, Bechar lano derech leimarkocha. He's commenting on the this extra word, a seemingly extra word, lanu. He could have just said Bechar Anoshim. Choose men. What does it mean? lano"? So we know what Rashi says, but the Ibn Ezra is, is, is discussing this word. He says, derech alashon It is the way of the language, the way of the Hebrew language to say, to, to talk like this, to give a command and to add the word "lecha" to you or "lano" for us. He says, for example, lech says to Avram Lech lecha, go from your home and go to, to the land that I'm going to show you. What does it mean Lech lecha, go for you? Now we all know there's a Rashi who talks about what lecha means over there, but even the Ezra is saying it's just a way of talking. It's like go, go thou, you go. That's how you say it in Lashen in Akkadish in, in Hebrew. Or another Pasuk, V'char Lecho, choose for yourself does mean for yourself, it means choose, you choose, or shvulonu bazet sit over here, stay over here. does it mean shvulonu? That's a way of talking. Ranban, in Parshas' Lech Lecha, also says that Lech Lecha, you don't have to make any drushes the way Rashi does, that Lech Lecha means uh, I'm telling you this for your own good, it's for your own benefit. Ranvan says derech um, in one place the Ranvan says, says mishpat halashen, this is the, the rule of the language, of the Hebrew language, that you add on this um, this, this uh, possessive pronoun after a verb sometime. The Ibn Ezra in Parashas Lechlecha says the words min it's the custom of the language, this is how you speak. Now if we will follow that approach, so Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to Yeshua, and he says, "Choose some men to go out and fight for Amalek." Does that show? Does that teach us any halacha about how you're supposed to speak to somebody? The respect that Moshe Rabbeinu gave to his own Talmud? No, it's just a way of speaking. Because Shmuel said to Avraham Aminu lech and Moshe Rabbeinu said to Yeshua Rashi, however refused to, uh, he, he declined to explain the Pesach, either according to my first explanation, that lono means for us, for Kla Yisrael. And he also declined to explain it, like the Ibn Ezra, that Bichar lono means, doesn't really mean anything. It's just the way you speak in Lashon Rashi says Bichar lono means Li Ulecha me and you, for me and you. Now, I would suggest that the rest of this whole long Rashi, all of this, is coming to support Rashi's original point, that l'anu means li hu for me and for you. Why? Because Chazal on this Basak, b'char they they teach us they 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 made a long teaching about this. It's in the Michilta uh, de Rabbi Yishmael. I think it's also in the Midrash Rabba. It's in several midrashim. They teach us a long lesson based on this pechar li They teach us that when that when when you're speaking to your Talmud, you have to speak to him as if he's uh, equal to you. And when you speak to your Chaber, you have to speak to him like he's your rebbe. When you speak to your rebbe, it's like you're speaking to the Rebbeinu Shlomo. That drush only makes sense if the word Lanu literally means me and you. If the word Lanu means all the Chhazal, then <laughs> there's, no, there's no room for this whole uh, long lesson that Chazal teaches us. He wasn't referring to Yeshua as Lanu. And if you say, like the Ibn Ezra, and like well, like what the Ranban says in Parshish Lechtacha, then B'char Lanu is not is not coming to teach us any great lesson. It's simply the way people spoke in 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 Hebrew in the Shai So Rashi said, Rashi who begins by saying that Lano means me and you, me Mesh Rabenu and you Yeshua, he supports his point, he supports his comment by quoting this long drasha of Chazal. That Chazal make a whole drasha out of this. That as we have spoken, that you have to respect each person on a level a little bit higher than your own. Now Chazal, of course, it's the derech of Chazal in their midrashim. Today they, they don't limit themselves to one Pasek at a time. When they get hold of an idea they go all over Tanakh and find proofs for it. So the fact that they quote a Pasek in Bemidbar Perek base and a Pasek in Bemidbar Pasek that's not a problem as far as the Midrash goes. And Rashi is quoting the whole Midrash only as support for his perish al-derach that pichar lono means me and you. Now, this leaves us with one question, however. Why did Maishu Rabbeinu say this? Why did he say to Yahshua, pick for me and for you? Why didn't he say pick for the Fa Yisro? Whose war is this anyway? This is not Amalek versus My Rabbeinu and Yahshua. This is Amalek versus Klal Yisrael. Matter of fact, it even says, <speaking in Israel> Amalek, came and he was fighting with Klal Yisrael. So why did Moshe Rabbeinu speak as if he is, uh, why did he say, why, do, why is the, uh, the literal meaning of his words that he spoke to Yeshua and he said, speak, take for me and you a bunch of soldiers and go out and fight. And I think we can say that if we look at the psokun, we looked at them before, if we go back over them, we will see that there is a very strong focus on Maisha Rabbeinu in this whole war. It seems like it was really Maisha Rabbeinu's war to fight with, with assistance from some soldiers, soldiers, but it really was Maisha Rabbeinu's war. First of all, you see here in the end of the first pasek, <speaking in Hebrew> I'm going to go up onto the mountain, <speaking in Hebrew> and I will take the staff of, of God in my hand. I'm going to stand up on the mountain and I'm going to be like the conductor of the orchestra, uh, directing everyone what to do. It doesn't say that by every, by every war, even the wars in Chomish, in which Moshe Rabbeinu was involved. But it says it here we go to the next Pasuk. And it says in fact that Moshe went up, he went up to the top of the hill. And when he lifted up his hands, the people were able to fight better. And when his hands got tired and he put them down, they were not able to fight so well. So he was literally, they were like marionettes in the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu. And then his hands got very heavy. So they had to help him. They helped him keep his hands up. And he was praying and the result of this prayer was that they were successful in this war, but Yachleish Yeshua es Amalek, that Yeshua was able to weaken Amalek. We see that there was a very heavy emphasis on Maisha Abeno in this war. The question is why, of course. Well, if we contrast it with other wars that we find in Chumash, I think we can understand a little bit. If we look, for example, at the wars. That uh, we, we that are recorded in, the, in uh, towards the end of Sefer Bamidbar, the wars with Sichin and Oig. Sichin and Oig were two kings. Their kingdoms were to the east of the Jordan River, but they were though their lands were part of Eretz Yisrael. And Klaiyashal went to those lands, and they fought against Sichin and Oig, and they were successful. And those lands were distributed as as Nachla, as as inheritance to certain tribes over there. What's the point of that war? It's Kibush Eretz Yisrael. It's a matter of conquering the land of Israel. If we look at another war that is recorded in Sefer the midbar there was a war with Midian. Now, why was there a war with Midian? Because Mayav and Midian, and I think there's a Midrash that even says Amon was involved. They came up with a plot to cause Klai Yisrael to sin, so that Klai Yisrael would be punished by HaKodesh They took their daughters and they dressed them up in a very uh, provocative way. And the daughters went and seduced some of the Jewish men to sin with them, both uh, immorality and, and idolatry. And when it was all over, Kodesh Baruch Hu said to Meisha Rabbeinu, Nikmas Yisrael. Take revenge, take the revenge of the Klai Yisrael against Midyan. So it's a war of revenge. Revenge, whose revenge? Nikoyim Nikmas Bnei Yisrael. That is revenge for Bnei Yisrael. Bnei Yisrael were tricked into sinning. I mean not tricked to the point that they had no Bechira but they were influenced into sin and it was a, a plot to cause them to sin. So HaKodesh Baruch said Nikmas Bnei Yisrael. However the war with Amalek was for a very different person, purpose. Rashi really says this on the first Pesach about this war. Rashi says, Now here Rashi is discussing the connection between this war with Amalek and the previous Parsha. The previous Parsha told us the story of what we call the Memeriva. That Klay came to a certain place very shortly after leaving Mitzrayim and there was no water to drink. So finally, uh, the people complained very bitterly. Kol told Moshe Rabbeinu to go hit the rock, and the Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock, and the water came out, and everybody had water to drink. And then, right after that, what's the next thing we read? A mullah came and attacked. Rashi here says, "Samaḥ Parsha Zayla The Torah juxtaposes this parsha, the parsha of Me'amariva, to this pasuk about. A Malik attacking, Leymar, this is to say, Ani tamid I, Hashem, am always amongst you. and I am prepared to fulfill your needs. you say, Ayesha Hashem im and you said, when you didn't have water, is Hashem amongst us or not? You questioned whether I'm with you, whether I'm present with you to help you. I swear upon your lives, the dog is going to come and bite you. Who's the dog? Hamalek. The atem say akimli, and you're going to be calling out to me. You're going to cry out to me. The hechanani, and you'll find out where I am. Etc. In other words, this war with Hamalek was a direct consequence of our misbehavior. We misbehaved. We didn't trust that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would take care of us and that he would provide us with water and we, we, we panicked. We said, HaYesh Hashem b'chem. Is Hashem even with us? Is he even watching us? That's a, that's a terrible misbehavior. And that's why Amalek came as a direct consequence of that misbehavior. It makes sense that the responsibility to, to, to conduct this war, falls upon the leaders. Rashi says in Sefer Dvarim, uh, Perak Aleph, Pasuk Yud based on a Pasuk there, he says, Sehem shal Yisrael, the sins and the faults of Kla Yisrael, They are hanging over the heads of their dayanim. The sins of Kla Yisrael are upon the heads of their leaders. them because they should have protested when the Jewish people act inappropriately or the Chabon Oissam, the Derech and They should have guided them, directed them in the proper way. When Klai Yisrael sins, uh, a large part of the fault is placed upon our leaders. Of course, we have to do our best and we can't excuse ourselves, but our leaders are responsible for us. And if they don't teach us well enough, they are, they are liable to punishment. And it's up to them to, to correct the problems. And I think perhaps that's what's going on in this war here with Amalek. We, Kla Yisrael, misbehaved. And therefore, whose job was it to clean up the mess? In a certain sense, Maisha Rabbeinu. My and his number two in command, Yoshua. So when Moshe Rabbeinu went to Yeshua and said, "Gather an army, impose the draft, and take the best men for the army," what did he say? "B'char Lanu hanoshim." Choose for us. Who is us? Rashi said, "Li kula, me and you." The only thing is, why would Moshe Rabbeinu, why would the great Moshe Rabbeinu, put Yeshua into the same breath as himself, us? No, that on that Rashi says, Mikan Omru, from here they said That the honor and respect that one gives to one's Talmud should be like the respect that is coming to oneself. But it comes out that everything Rashi says here is really to support his first point, his first uh, sneaky little point here. It looks like he's not saying much, but really... He is saying a lot. He is saying an original approach to the Pasuk, and he is saying an approach to the Pasuk which really helps put the entire Parsha into focus.